morning. It is good to be with all of you. Appreciate you being here. It means a lot to me always to have the opportunity to fellowship with those who are my family here at Northfield Boulevard. I want to begin this morning by reading a text. If you will open your New Testaments to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. You're going to begin reading in verse 11. Ephesians 3, verse 11. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are, they, they are your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened, strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God, not to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever. And ever. As we think about the passage this morning, I want you to particularly hone in there on verse 12 as we get this going here. It's not coming up. Okay, there it is. As God's adopted children, we are called to cultivate a bold faith, a confident faith. Our Father and our Savior want us to be assured. They want us to be confident in our walk in the truth. And so even in times of uncertainties, whether it's physical uncertainties or spiritual uncertainties, God exhorts us to be rooted he exhorts us to be firmly planted and not, not to be shaken or tossed by unsettling winds. In Acts 4, for example, in verse 29, the apostles recognized that they needed boldness. Is the occasion when Peter and John are threatened by the Jewish leadership because they had been preaching Jesus. And so after that threat, they returned to the other apostles and the apostles then prayed. And one of the things they prayed about was they prayed that God would help them to speak boldly the word. Paul himself in Colossians 4.4 also asked for the prayers of the brethren in that city so that he would speak or preach the gospel in the way it should be spoken. In Christ, we are to be bold. In Christ we can increase our boldness. But what is boldness, if you think about it? 
To be bold in a worldly sense is not the same as it is to be bold in Christ or to be bold for Christ. For boldness in a godly manner, it it is not prideful or arrogant. Neither is it a rashness or a presumption or even the loss of all sense of shame. That is not the boldness that the New Testament calls us to put on and to wear in our walk in Jesus Christ. The Greek word for boldness or for confidence. You know, different verses use, use different words, but the Greek word that is, that is used here literally means all telling. Now clearly we see how it would naturally be used when talking about our speech, a sense that there's a freedom of speech. There's an absence of fear in speaking. And clearly when the apostles prayed about proclamation of the gospel, that's, that's what they were talking about. Having boldness to, pe- to speak and preach without fear the truth. It also refers to the idea of frankness or unreservedness or openness. And although it is used often in connection with our speech, and the manner we speak to one another or the manner we speak to the world, it can also be used To point to a person's attitude. It can also be used to describe a disciple's disposition without any connection necessarily in a direct way to his speech. For example, in Ephesians 3 verse 12, it makes that point where it says we have boldness. We have confident access through faith in him. Now, speech may be included in that, but that's not the primary point. He says, we have an attitude, we have a disposition where we are bold in Jesus Christ through faith in the Lord, the Son of God. And so in Christ's fellowship, when we are in the fellowship with Christ and with the Heavenly Father, we ought to possess an openness. We ought to possess an unreservedness, a freedom an absence of fear. With that said, I want us to look at four different passages this morning that use this word and, and applies it in different uh, scenarios, different contexts. The first one is in Hebrews. So turn your Bibles now to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to read the last few verses of the fourth chapter. Now, these are all very familiar texts to you as a child of God, as a student of his word. But this morning, we're just going to focus on the aspect of where or when should we both be bold. And so here in verse 14, therefore, Hebrews 4, verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted, tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, therefore, let us draw near with confidence 
Let us draw near with boldness to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. The point is making here as the, the writer of Hebrews begin to expound on things pertaining to Jesus Christ is that because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done, we are granted access. The door is open now because of Jesus. And this door opens up to us the opportunity, the privilege that we can actually approach the throne of the Almighty. And at that throne, we can get help. We can get the help that we need. We can receive the mercy and the grace that we need. But it's all because of Jesus. That's why. If you think about just in the early chapters of the context of, of Hebrews, and so in the first three chapters, previously to this, this passage in chapter 4, I want to very quickly point out what we are told about Jesus. In chapter 1, we are told that he is the Son. And he is the Son who has spoken to us his Father's word. But not only is the Son that has revealed God's message to us, but also He is the Son who is now the King of Righteousness. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2. He is the author of salvation. He is the originator of our salvation, and as a result, He is the victor. He is the victor over the devil, and He is the victor over death. That's chapter 2. Chapter 3, we are introduced to Him as He is the merciful high priest, and he is the builder, the faithful builder of God's house. That's the first three chapters. And so chapter 4 ends by saying, Therefore, since we have Jesus, and he is all of this to us, verse 16, Therefore let us draw near, but let us draw near with boldness. We are exhorted here to grasp this access, to grasp this opportunity with an openness and an unreservedness. The door is open. Enter it. Do not let fear be an obstacle. Do not let fear stop you and me from drawing near to the Lord with our troubles. Whatever trouble it is. Spiritual or physical. Whatever the trouble is in life, we should not be afraid to approach the throne of God. Why? Because of Jesus. That's why. Do not fear the light exposing your deeds. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 20, it, you know, we are told that uh, there are those that do not come to light because they love the darkness and they don't want their deeds exposed. Don't be afraid to be exposed. Why? Because of Jesus. That's why. We need to understand that we are being told here to draw near to the Lord for, you know, so that we can have the help that we need. There is a certainty. There is a certainty about what Jesus has done. And there is a certainty about what Jesus is still doing. For you and me from heaven's throne. There's a certainty in that. Be bold to enter. 
Knock. And what? Knock and the door will be opened, Jesus said. Help is in Christ, but we have to seek it. We have to seek the help that is there. But also we have to accept the help that he gives. Don't be afraid. Draw near. We have Jesus. Now turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. Read just a few verses in this epistle. And now we're being told that we are to pray with boldness, knowing God hears and that God answers. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, it's, it says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence, we have boldness before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. You turn a page maybe or so in your Bible and look at verse 14 of the fifth chapter of this first epistle. So 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, you come back to kind of the same point where it says this is the confidence, this is the boldness which we have before him. That if we ask Anything according to his will, he hears us. Pray with boldness. Now clearly throughout the New Testament we find that we are taught, we are instructed to pray, and we're to do so imitating Jesus. One of the ways we imitate Jesus is through our prayers. And so holy petitions are to be lifted up constantly about everything. You know, in Philippians 4, 4, 6, about, you know, you don't be anxious, but in everything in prayer. Or the Thessalonian letter, pray without ceasing. Or the Timothy letter, he said, pray for your, for your governing authorities. Pray for all men, lifting up holy hands. So clearly, we are instructed, we are being taught and disciplined and trained to pray like our Lord, like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And those prayers are not vain words. They're not empty words when we pray in spirit and truth. Prayer is not just a formality. Prayer is not just a ceremonial thing that we go through on certain days and at certain times of the day. No, prayer is a demonstration of faith. It is a firm belief in divine assurances. That's what prayer is. It is a firm belief in divine assurances. And it's for that reason we are exhorted in the Apostle John's epistle here that when we pray, we need to be praying with boldness. Knowing God hears. Knowing God answers. And so as James writes, ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea. So when we are keeping God's commandments, as John writes about over in this third chapter, when we are keeping God's commandments and when we are doing what pleases God, then we should be bold with our reverence and our humble request before God. There should not be fear and shame. To make all our requests known to him. 
It is spiritually appropriate for all who are doing God's will, for all who are praying to, 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 according to God's will, we're doing God's will and praying according to God's will. It's appropriate for us to be frank and unhesitant in our petitions, in our supplications, because God does hear. And God does enrich his obedient children with needed supplies to do the work they need to do. So pray with boldness. God does not want us to walk, walk and live in timidity. He wants us to be bold and confident in our relationship and fellowship with him as we live each day. The third passage is back in Hebrews again. This time it is Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verses 19 through 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22. Where this time we are told to enter with boldness God's holy place by Christ's blood. Verse 19, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence, since we have boldness to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Since Jesus is both our mediator and our high priest, and it is he who has sacrificed himself for all sinners for all times, so that we can enter heaven and be in the presence of God one day through him. Since that's the case, then we need to have confidence. We need to have boldness you know, to enter that relationship and to walk in that relationship. But it's not because of ourselves. It's not because of our own doing. It's not because of our own righteousness. It's because of what he has done on our behalf and because of what he is doing now as our king and as our priest. Before Christ came, without Christ, entrance and residence in God's dwelling place was and is not accessible. But with Christ, it is. It's mighty interesting when you think about just the wording here of these few verses in Hebrews chapter 10. That this, this new and living way that Jesus inaugurated for us. That he, he has done this. He has, in a sense, paved this way with his own flesh and blood, which required what? That required death. So we have a new and living way that Jesus you know, paved with his death to bring us life. And so, because of the certainty of what God has done through his son in redeeming sinners who believe, because of that certainty, that should give rise to boldness. 
It should remove fear as you pursue liberty in Christ Jesus. Just think about this. We can and we are able to enter places of holiness. We can do that through Christ. Through God's way, through God's provision, we can be in holy places. I just can't help but think of the occasion in Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is out in the wilderness and God speaks to him, God appears to him in that burning bush, and what's one of the first things he's told to do? He says, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. You know, Moses was, was given a, a very unique privilege as a chosen servant of God in his lifetime. But because of Jesus, you and I can stand on holy ground. We can be in holy places with God. And so that is why Christians and disciples throughout time are being exhorted and reminded and built up with this work, these verses here in Particularly says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Trust God. Trust God's word. Trust what God has commanded. As we sing, trust and obey. Because when we do what God has said, what do we know? When we do what God has said, what do we know with certainty? With unashamedness. We know that God will do what he has promised. We know that. And so draw near. Draw near with boldness and enter the holy places of God you know, through Jesus Christ. How? In a full assurance of faith. And so with a sense of boldness, we are motivated to what? To cultivate greater boldness. And think it this way. Confidence produces increased reliance because faith is fully assured. Confidence is going to increase our reliance because our faith is fully assured. And so hear the words of the New Testament prophets and apostles. And be bold, be confident. And as we're told here, enter with boldness God's holy place through Christ. God has made that available to each and every one of us. But then finally, going back to 1 John again, we are also told to wait with boldness for the Lord to come in judgment. In 1 John chapter 2, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, it says, Now little children, abide in him. That is, abide in the Lord, abide in Christ, in God. Why? So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him. In shame at his coming. You turn over to the fourth chapter. You read there in verse 7, 16 and 17. Where he says, we have come to know and to believe the love which God has for us. 
God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence, we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Judgment is coming. And when it does, everybody is going to be judged. The Bible is quite clear on that subject. But who is the judge? And who is going to be judged? And how are they, they going to be judged? What standard will God use when he judges every soul? So accountability to God, yes, in one sense, is a fearful matter. Why? Why is it a fearful thing? Well, because consequences for unbelief, consequences for disobedience, consequences for unrighteousness are severe. Eternally severe. And the outpouring of God's wrath upon sin is not a trifling matter. It's not something to be brushed aside and ignored. But all who are truly abiding in the Lord and abiding in God's love should long expectantly, should long with joy for that reward that is coming to us in the Savior's judgment. Reminded of when God appears again in the Garden of Eden. What, what did Adam and Eve do? They shrunk back. Why? Because they had sinned and they now knew it. They had disobeyed and trans God, their God and their creator and they tried to hide. They shrunk back. But God tells us in Christ, with Christ, as the Apostle John says here in our reading, he said, little children abide in him so that when he appears, he is appearing one day, he's coming back. But when he does, he says, abide in him so that we may have confidence, we may have boldness, and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. There should be a sense, an absence of shameful fear on the judgment day for us who are abiding in the light, who are walking in the Lord, who are seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness. Why? Because we're sowing to the Spirit. That's why. We're not sowing to the flesh. Jesus is the righteous judge. And we are told to boldly love the promise of his appearing. Be bold. Be bold in all that, that you do. Be bold in the sense that you recognize that you are given access to the throne of grace. But be bold in your prayers because you know God will hear you and God will answer you. Be bold to enter that holy place where God is. But it must be done through the blood of Christ. But then finally, be bold as you wait for your Lord and Savior to come back to take you home. Are you in Christ? Are you walking in the light? Are you abiding in God? Are you abiding in the word? 
If not, you can change that. You can change your relationship and be right with God. And we want to encourage you to do that. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, to be the Christ, but you've not obeyed the gospel, we want to invite you, encourage you to confess your faith before men, to repent of your sins and be baptized into Christ. That can be done this very hour. Have assurance in Christ. What Christ has done has made it possible that we can be right with God. Don't be afraid of the light. Don't be afraid of the truth. Don't be afraid of God. God so loved you and me and all of us so much that he's willing to sacrifice Jesus on a cross. That's how much love he has for us. But he had no fellowship with darkness, and that's why we need Jesus. If you are a Christian, and there's sin in your life that you've not corrected, You've not prayed to God for forgiveness, knowing that you have the full assurance that he will cleanse you again. If we can assist you in praying with you, praying for you, we invite any and all to come. Make your wishes known when we stand and sing the song that's been selected.